All the music used in this episode fall under fair use under Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976. Allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, and reporting. Thank you. Hello, 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 and welcome back to My Records and Me, the show where I have on people in my life and we talk about the music that we love. My name is Kylie, um, and this week is a continuation of last week's episode um, where we are delving into the second half of All Things Must Pass, All uh, Things always. Must Pass Again, um, with my very special guest, We're Sam. We're back. Yes, we are back. Through the power of editing. Through the power of editing, we are back. Um, and if you want to get to know a little bit more about Sam and listen to the first half of the album, listen to last yeah. week's episode. Um, but yeah. I'm very thankful to have on Sam. Um, this, I loved the first episode. It's probably one of my favorite ones I've done. Um, no shade to anyone else. But it was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to delve into the second half. And I know I usually do like a little like, here's the background of the album and blah, 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 blah. But I did that the first episode. So again, be sure to check that out because baby, we are getting straight into it. And we are starting with probably the funnest song off this album, which is Apple Scruffs. Now this song, yeah. this is just a fun song, um, with the harmonica and everything going on. It's just a fun song. I really like this song. It's great. And yeah, and and um, yeah. this is actually a tribute uh, to Beatles fans. Um, again, thank you, Beatlebible.com. I learned that. So Harrison coined this term for the most dedicated Beatles Beatles fans. These were the people, you know, standing vigil out outside their homes, outside the recording studio, and the this group, these Apple Scruffs, they communicate through um a secret network, and they um knew the, where their band was, where the whereabouts of the band were, which is insane to me to think about in 1960, you know, three or something like that's that. Imp- that's impressive. That's impressive. Like before like mass communication you know like that's an insane amount of commitment it's it's insane it's impressive um you know i was in the heyday of twitter standum with one direction and there are definitely people like that um you know them five seconds of summer all these like kind of bands nine seven five you know all those bands when i was growing up um in the twitter days but like them knowing through the secret network. I don't know. You got to wonder, letters? like, like what I don't know. Like? Maybe they had like secret meetings where, like, it was one of those things where you have to do like a certain code knock on the door. Like, the, the you know, the security guard would open the door and be like, password or something, you know? Honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I mean, I w- I'm curious. So, like, you said you didn't know that until you did your research, but what did you think of the song prior to doing the research? Like, you just think it was like a fun song? <laughs> yeah, I did. Like, I just thought it was a fun song with harmonica. Oh, okay. I, I did not give it any thought. Um, really because it just sounds so fun but you you thought um it was about drug use which like looking at the lyrics i I could the thing is you know for me like i didn't really like until i was like you know looking at for the you know the preparation for this um i hadn't really like even listened to like it hadn't been like something at the forefront of my mind it's just like the tone of the song yeah it's definitely not one of the first songs i think of it would probably be one of the last yeah i I think just the general tone of the song it just kind of feels like not to say it in a bad way but it kind of feels almost like a joke not to say the song is a joke because like, it's a good song, but it almost feels like yeah, uh, like does. a meme or something. It does kind of feel and like And I think a joke. for me, the reason I thought specifically about drugs is because there's another band I listen to called Twiddle. Oh, um, we love Twiddle. And they have a song. Of, we love Twiddle. Twiddle's great. But they have a song called Apples, and Apples is actually about shrooms. And like the, the, the hook of the song is like, you got to like apples, man. So I always associate, okay. since then, I associate apples with shrooms, you okay, know? I got that. So I think maybe there was like that kind of subconscious thing there too. But the, the fan network thing makes sense and it's kind of hilarious. Oh yeah, it is. But I think, I think the really funny thing, the cool thing about this is, and we said this is like, George Harrison really did not like fame. Like he did, he did not like fame, but I think he really did not like the introspection right. of the media in his life. But he had that appreciation for the fans and the people who, you know, loved his music. And I think this is a really nice, you know, right. dedication to, to those people who loved, who he loved. Yeah. What he was expressing through this album was like he wanted, like he was, he wanted feelings of validation, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think what you're saying about like the, like, you know, the fan, like the adoration from fans, obviously he liked, but like the pressures and everything that come and the constraints on your life that come with fame and being a part of the Beatles. Like he just wanted that freedom, you know, but like, it makes sense that he, of course, like would like the people that appreciate his music. That's all that's, that's what he wanted from his co his counterparts. He wanted them to appreciate his music and he felt that he, they didn't really do that fully, you know? Yeah, completely, completely. So my first note is for the ballad of Sir Frankie Crist to let it roll is the start of the song is so amazing. I think it's a, a really beautiful start of a song. And this song was actually written as a tribute to the previous owner of George Harrison's mansion, Sir Frank Crisp. Really? Yeah. So Sir Frank Crisp was an English lawyer um, and he qualified as a solicitor in 1869 and worked with a number of important international commercial contracts. In 1889, he became the first owner of Frere Park, Victorian neo-Gothic mansion on... Henley, uh, Henley on Thames, Oxfordshire. I'm sorry to all the Brits. Um, I'm mis- mispronouncing, but and uh, Sir Frank Crisp owned that till his death in 1919, and he was knighted, so he is Sir Frank Crisp, on December 16, 1907, and was made a baronet on the 5th of February 1913 for the services of as a legal um, advisor to the Liberal Party, and he died in 1919. So this was the dude that owned the mansion that George Harrison lived in and this is what the song he is the song yeah that's what the song is about I I mean because the thing is like I like of the lyrics I was reading and I was just like I don't really know what to make of this like I don't know like what this means you know what I mean like I don't did you have an idea before reading that no clue no clue at all yeah no clue looking at the lyrics now it's almost like he's taking on a trip through the house because he's like let it roll across the floor through the house out the door to the fountain of perpetual mirth you know Lose your bodies in the maze. Maybe like he had like a garden or like hedge maze or something. Uh, I mean, he had a lot of money, so I'm assuming he, he could afford that. You know, let it roll down through the caves on the long walks of cool and shades through ye wood. May you rest here a while. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. I don't so know. So I'm looking at genius.com and genius does a, like a good about. So they say when Harrison purchased the house, he carried out extensive renovations and found many items dating back to Chris's time as an owner. Harrison, like Crisp. Um, where am I? Harrison like Chris also was a keen gardener and spent a lot of time of spent spent a lot of his time restoring the garden. So Harrison probably saw a lot of himself in F- Crisp and similar traits and kind of I would say your analysis is probably correct and mm-hmm. envisioning himself in him. Yeah. I'm rolling it on, baby. Let it he roll, just rolled baby. everywhere. He didn't even walk, he rolled. <laughs> Yes. Um, and with this song, I don't think about this song when I think about this album, but I do, I should, because I really do like this song and, um, it's a lot of fun and it's, um, it's good. I love, I seriously, I love, I love the music. I love the record behind it. Yeah. It does have like that forgotten stepchild kind of vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like the guitar, like, like that guitar tone he has. Like, you hear that, like, on country records now. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, totally. Yeah. So, we hit um, Awaiting on You All, which is probably one of the more overtly religious songs off the album. I really do enjoy this song. Um, What do you think, Sam? I think it's one of my favorites. To me, um, there's like two elements that I really like about this song. One is kind of the continuation of the theme I mentioned before of like providing a different perspective on um, religion and spirituality. Yeah. Um, because like I was raised in um, the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and the, of course, like Catholicism is famous for its opulence. Mm-hmm. Like going to like you know the Vatican, it's like a work. Of, it is a work of architectural wonder, but it also, yeah. I guess. Uh, maybe for me and maybe for other people stands in contrast perhaps Mm -hmm. to what maybe the key message is supposed to be. So the fact that he's like, um, he's kind of providing a different perspective Mm -hmm. on it. And then also pointing out specifically how the Catholic church kind of like, kind of points out their opulence. And like, this is one of my, probably my favorite lyric on the album. Well, he says, while the Pope owns 51% of general motors and the stock exchange is the only thing he's qualified to quote us. I think just a really like, 
he d- he says so much um, with so little. You, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's um, yeah. I think just for me, like this whole package of the song yeah. is just is just great. Um, <clears throat> what what about you? Yeah, for me, and I, I completely agree with everything you've said. M- my standout line is part of the chorus, which is, "The Lord is awaiting on you all to awaken and see." And for me, I kind of see this as you know, and especially just us, we only have really you know experience in the Catholic Church. But with the Catholic Church and Catholicism, you know, you're kind of taught just to really believe what you were told mm-hmm. in mass and not question it. But a lot of the practices of the Catholic Church, um, all the things that they do really would go against what Jesus taught, what God mm-hmm. taught. Um, <clears throat> you know, those main themes um, really of love and, and kindness and forgiveness. And... I think it's like a thing of it's like, well, the Lord is awaiting you all to awaken and see that like what you what is being told to you or what you're seeing is not is not what I wanted, what I what I preached, right. what I what I came to to say. I guess like to him, he would perceive it as we've taken like the truth of the matter, like which is his version of spirituality, and we've like overcomplicated it, and we've put it through too much our own lens, where it's like, oh. You know, if you want to be a card-carrying member of this, like, religion, we need you to go through these specific rituals at this specific time. Mm-hmm. You need to refer to the priest by a certain name. That is our mm-hmm. custom. Like, we have this, like, fancy, um, like, large display of wealth yeah. to kind of showcase our devotion to religion, where yeah. it's, like, it's not something that you need to overly think about. It's just, like, it's just a relationship just like any other. You know what I mean? The relationship we have with, with uh, you know, whatever i guess deity or whatever belief you have you know yeah and i agree with what you're saying and um i feel like george harrison would be one of those people and like i definitely get this vibe from this song he'd be like my mom always says this a lot she's like well my god well my god loves everyone equally or or my god wants to treat everyone with kindness and i feel like george harrison would, would be one of those people but um I kind of, especially with the line you were saying and you're quoting, like, mm-hmm. is this like kind of like a protest yeah. song? Like, not like not as a whole, but that line like makes you think a little. That's bit. interesting. I never, I I've never thought about it like a protest song. Like, do, like, do you think he's like trying to say that? You mean like that part you said? You know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the music is great too. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I almost picture it like, um, like the words, like he's like it's almost galloping interiors if that makes sense yeah. like especially in the yeah. chorus i don't that's kind of like the the way i visualize I it, but. it i can see it so the namesake of the album all things must pass and my first note on this is not another let it be reject this might be the most egregious let it be reject to be honest with you I I would have to agree. I would have to agree. Yeah. And I I definitely said it in the first episode, but it was crazy in the Get Back sessions, the Peter Jackson documentary that came out in the fall, to see like John Lennon playing piano on this, Paul playing bass, George conducting them, and them not to like realize this matches the vibe of the album. Like it completely does. Mm-hmm. Like you think two of us. I Dig a Pony, mm-hmm. I've Got a Feeling, The Long and Winding Road. I could name all the songs mm-hmm. off the album. But it, it matches the vibe completely, and it's such a shame that they were not like, okay, yeah. But anyway, this song is inspired by Taoism. Um, it's, it's inspired by a certain prayer. Um, I should have written it down, but I didn't. And... But back to kind of like what we were talking about in the last last episode. Um, it really is just saying like, yeah, all things must pass. We're all gonna die one day. Um, but it does it in this very beautifully honest way, and it's just a beautiful like beautifully honest is really the only kind of words that come to mind when I think of this song. It's 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 honest, but it's so gorgeous in the way he says it. Yeah, that's true. That's something that the, I hadn't thought about it being like beautifully honest like that. I think that's a great way to put it. I like I said like with the I think I said it with the previous song, but I think it's just an example of saying so much with so little, where it's like it is like I think and it's also a way where he presents it like his view on spirituality in a way where he grounds it not in like these um, 
judgmental or these overly academic ideas of like, you know, complex theological things. He grounds it and he presents it with ideas of simple truth that, that are things that are true and things that we all know. Um, you know what I mean? Which is why I think um, he's just able to craft a message that, I don't know, appeals to a lot of people and like specifically. Um, totally. Yeah. And I kind of get like, it's very somber. Like the, the, it's not sad. I wouldn't say this is a sad song, but it's definitely, definitely very somber. And you kind of know. Like, it's kind of like, isn't it a pity? You think? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No. Yeah. It's kind of no. like where he's just, it's an observation, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a very astute observation, Sam. And I would agree. It's, it's kind of the same thing of like, well, this is going to happen no matter what. Like, no one, no one can stop it. Yeah. It's going to happen. And you just kind of have to learn to, again, like appreciate it because it's going to be gone one day. And, you know. All things must pass. So I dig love. Now this is uh, this is what I would consider another good driving song, you know. And you know, one of my first notes is George Harrison. George Harrison did in fact dig love. He digged it a lot. And dude dude fucked hard he fucked a lot of people but he was all about free love and that's what the song is all about it's all about free love i mean i can't endorse like the uh the extramarital affair because that's kind of fucked up but i mean like the you know yeah yeah. like that i it leaves a bad taste in my mouth from george but everything else where it's like yeah you know, like, yeah, you got, you got to support him. You know what you I mean? You have to. You have um, to. I literally, the, the only notes I had for the song was, like, reminds me of hippies. LOL. That was it. <laughs> That's all I wrote. <laughs> That's a good note. Yeah, it does. Um, Another note I have was George never performed this live, which I is, yeah, I wonder why it's interesting. Um, Musically, love the slide guitar. Seen throughout this album, but love it in this song. Um, But, yeah, like, I think the lines I wrote down were... Bought love, short love at any port. Love's always there to see. Make love, take love, but you yeah. should give love. Try to live love. Come on, that's where you should be. And obviously, I think he's talking about mm-hmm. sex, but just looking at this in all types of love, um, I totally agree. And I think he makes really good points. And I think yeah. the standout for me is like, try to live love. Come on, that's where you should be. And um, I think I try to live my life very lovingly, especially with the people around me, friends, fam, friends and family, you know? Um, but yeah, I like. Yeah, the, the like, message. why would you live any differently? But I mean, exactly. like, the, the sad fact is, there's a lot of people that do live. Yeah, without yeah. love, which is sad, but but baby, we dig love in this podcast. So one of like my favorite things about this album in general is from song to song we get into they're just so different. We get into different themes. We get into just the sound so different, and I also feel that from you know I dig love mm-hmm. to the art of dying, where this song was written in the summer of '66 or it was believed to be, and this was when one the Beatles decided to stop live performing. And two, this was when the Beatles really started getting into that more exploratory music um, that they're known for their later years. So this 1966 is when Revolver came out and Revolver was, you know, the LSD album or, you know, the first LSD album. Um, And this was around the time where George was really, really finding Indian philosophy and the idea of being reborn, the idea of reincarnation. And I think, and I think... This song is really him expressing the desire to move beyond fame and seek out that greater meaning of life, which was um, kind of the idea of when you die, your your soul is just like leaving your body. And it's not, right. you're not dying, your body's dying, but we're not just our body. We are our soul yeah. and our soul carries on. And I think he was discovering that and, and really discovering you know that meaning of life of of we're more than just our yeah body. i hadn't thought about it um you know what the song reminds me of mm-hmm. you ever heard you ever seen the show midnight gospel on netflix i have not you should watch it okay but no ser- like seriously you, okay. sh- you should watch it yeah I'll put it on my um, list. 
and um it's the um i think i think it was from that show but there's a line in there where like the character is talking and he was basically saying like um the idea of like not hypnosis um i don't know why i wrote hypnosis <laughs> i meant meditation is just all it is is you're practicing for when you're dead mm. yeah um that's what it kind of reminds me of but I, I don't know. The thing is, like, um, this is where, like, uh, for me, as, like, spiritually confused, I get, at least for me, there's a little bit of conflict in my brain. Mm. Um, because, like, I am typically a pretty empirically minded person, yeah. you know? Um, and, like, the idea of, like, reincarnation, I agree, is beautiful. But, like, you know, the first thing I go to is, like, oh, like, is there proof? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I, wa- I mm-hmm. want to see, mm-hmm. you know? No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I it, it's tough. Um, and like I go to like different logical like things where it's like, oh, there's been more people on Earth than there ever have been before. Like, like, how, like, are, is there a pool of souls that like mm. just sit around waiting to be brought into the world? Like, what does the recycling process look like? Um, <laughs> like, do you come back as different things? Like, I guess it depends on who you talk to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that is like the point, and I think that's why a lot of like those Eastern religions are like vegetarian or um is because they think or they believe i mean they believe that like you know you can be reincarnated in in a cow or a pig um or an insect or an animal yeah that i mean that makes sense or like there's i think i know like in sikhism specifically there's like more i don't know if the word is like i don't know if the word is devout or i guess orthodox where um like they go to extreme lengths to prevent killing, like prevent killing any kind of life, even if an insect or anything. You know what I mean? So I guess it it stems from that general idea, you, you know. Yeah, and like I don't um, know if I entirely believe that either. But at the end of the day, if you believe in any religion, you have to like kind of put your th- faith in like the unknown and what is not known to you. But I think it is a beautiful way to think yeah. about things being re- being reincarnated into the world. For sure, for sure. Um, that's the thing. I guess it's better than there being nothing. I don't know. Like, what do you think happens after? I don't know. I would like to think it is those pearly gates kind of thing. Some oasis, some, I think, peace. And I think that's the thing with, like, reincarnation. I think of it's like the world, no matter what, no matter when, will always be miserable. Well, I mean, the whole, at least I know specifically in, um, I think, mm-hmm. Buddhism, like the idea, the all the general overarching theme theme is that life is yeah. suffering, and like when you reach nirvana, is that you're out of the cycle yes. of reincarnation, yes. and you're like, you you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, you don't have to keep going through yes when you reach nirvana, living yeah. and dying and living and dying over and over again in different forms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think he references that like um, in the lyrics. Give me one second. Yeah. Well, you pull those up. Um. Yeah, but it's just like that constant theme of suffering. I don't know. I I I I don't know if I buy that. But I get it. But I don't know if I buy it. And what happens at the end like I don't know, but like I think of reincarnation or I think that like spirits now. I think that spirits like stay with you. Like for example, I'm always compared to my my mom's dad. Um he died when I was like 4 months old maybe. And like my mom or my godmother or you know people who knew my 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 grandfather always tell me I'm so like him and in the things I'm interested in the things I do my mannerisms um what I want to do they they always say I'm so like him and I don't think I'm the reincarnation of him but I think his aura right is around me and I think it's because I never knew him and I he died when I was so yeah. young um and I was so important yeah. In that moment, um, not, you know, tooting my own horn, but, you know, just of what was going on in my family. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm the reincarnation, but I think he's around me. And I think people yeah, are surrounded sure. yeah, I mean, when they die. It's tough. Um, I don't know. Like, I kind of I don't know if it's a similar thing, but mm-hmm. kind of somewhat like it's a similar story where when I was born, I was born three months premature, mm. which is, wow. you know, 30, 33% early um which is not good no. um i was extremely small mm-hmm. and i was actually born um with a twin who mm-hmm. didn't um make it so i have a brother mm-hmm. who i never knew and for me like it's tough kind of thinking about that because i don't know if it's yeah. i don't know if it's survivorship guilt but it's definitely a yeah. form of like 
like questioning like why yeah why you why you yeah but it's also the idea of like um like where his name was cameron Mm -hmm. um like where is he now Mm -hmm. you know what i mean similar to like how like you know what i mean um yeah i guess like the thing i take solace in and the thing that brings me comfort is that that, which is is something i feel like it also frustrates me is that we're never going to know everything we're never Mm -hmm. going to be able to see everything for how Mm -hmm. it truly is and even just like you think about it purely scientifically empirically mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount of wavelength of light that you can actually visually interpret everything else is you, you can't even you don't pro- your brain can't even process it so i'm just hoping that there's like things that our brain can't pro- process that's going on behind the scenes that we aren't aware of yeah that you know you know that'd be nice you know yeah well yeah. thank you for telling um that story um and yeah i, I think that's a very beautiful way to see things and that's obviously a very scientific way to see things but i agree i think in my ideal world and the way i see things it's these people surround us like you know no matter what um no matter who this person was if they meant something to you you're going to carry them with you all through your life grief is not a there's no time stamp on grief it'll never end um but I think you can find solace and I think that those people are with you and they take each step with you day by day, you know? Right. Um, it's like the links that you had between you in life, mm-hmm. like still, like you still carry them. Exactly. Like you still drag them like behind every you as you walk if you visualize like, I don't know, like a rope or something, you know, yes. like you keep them with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, I was, it was interesting because I was reading the lyrics and like we're both kind of like kind of um, expressing like a skepticism, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, but it's almost like he's aware of that. He's, he's aware of that when he was writing the lyrics because the last thing like he keeps he keeps saying, do you believe me? Yeah. You know, which is interesting because yeah. he probably realizes that especially for people raised in a largely uh, Western context, reincarnation yes. is like the opposite of what yes. the conventional idea happens, mm-hmm. you know, totally. Yeah totally totally taboo um i think where it says oh yeah he, like he says there there's comes there will come a time when all of us all of us must leave here mm-hmm. and then he says in a later verse there will come a time when most of us return here mm-hmm. brought back by our desire to be a perfect entity living through a million years of crying until you realize the art of dying do you believe wow first of all you know amazing um, lyricist amazing lyricist first yeah. of all <laughs> i know right but i think again talking about like what we were saying that idea of reaching nirvana and a reach and reaching kind of right trying peace. to find perfect perfect enlightenment you know yes agreed um, agreed do you um like i don't know if it's if the word is enlightenment but like um do you think it, it's possible for somebody to reach like I don't, I don't know if enlightenment would be the word but let's say like um uh let's use like a psychology term like actualization you know, like, do you think you're ever going to be able to reach something like that? I don't. I think I'm too flawed as a person. What do you mean by that? Flawed? I think, mm, I don't know if that's the right word. I think I'm just, what you're saying, what you're describing, I think is um, un, un, not human. I don't think that's um, part of the human experience. I don't think I'll ever. Well, what is being actualized? Like what, like, what does that mean, though? Like, when I say self-actualization, how would you describe that? Like, what, describe to me hypothetically, like, what? like that means to you okay well let me pull up the definition (laughs) let me pull up the definition let me pull up the definition um this is so self-actualization it's a noun um and it's the realization of fulfill or it's the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potentials especially considered as a drive or a need present in in everyone okay i reading the definition i think that people can reach it I don't think I can reach that personally at this moment in time. Do you think it's because, like, the reason you stated before, like, it's the flaws? I don't know. I think it's that. I don't know if it's that or just the general anxiety. Um, I think I'm a person where I don't, um, I don't think I'll ever be fulfilled with a lot of things personally. I think I'm a constant, um, just constantly keep pushing and i think when i look at my life the last three four years there's a lot of paper that i should be so fulfilled by like there's so much 
Um, but I am not. I don't know if I'm not fulfilled by it. Um, I'm just always going to the next thing, and I never. I no, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Maybe I am not fulfilled by it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't feel fulfilled by it. Do you think that's like? Is that a flaw, or is that just a like? Or is that just you be becoming more self aware? Yeah, I think so. About like what? Self aware. You know. Self-aware. I think I'm too self-aware. I think I'm. I think I'm way too self-aware for this for this life and this existence. Um, I'm so self-aware. Um, but the word fulfillment, like I don't, I don't know if I'll ever have that. I just don't know that word. I don't know if I'll ever feel that feeling. Interesting. I think when I meet a goal, um, like I was saying before, I don't. I don't stop. I keep moving the goalposts. It's not good enough. Move the goalpost. Yeah, I'm a goalpost mover. I don't think um, when I do one thing, it's not enough. I need to go 10 times harder, 10 times the extra step. I'm not fulfilled with meeting a goal that I set. I need to reset it. Um, does that make sense? Um, what about you? Do you think you will feel self-actualization, full fulfillment in this life? In your I think life? what holds me back from that is that generally like... Um, I struggle with like with certain things like a lack mm-hmm. of discipline. Yeah. I think people like sometimes people tend to overhype discipline like it's the one single virtue you need to get through your life. Like you just need to be disciplined and pull yourself up mm-hmm. by your bootstraps and like mm-hmm. you know everything will work. Um, but I do think that there is a necessary element of being disciplined to your life in order for you to get through yeah. certain um, yeah. either monotonous or um, skill building or you know like. You know, like anything worth doing is going to take time and you're going to get mm-hmm. frustrated. Like you got to mm-hmm. be able to push through that. And sometimes for me, I get discouraged very easily when it comes to um, a sense of perfection where it's like, damn, like mm. I feel like I'm not good enough. And then I, I don't have the time and I can't put, bring myself to put myself, mm-hmm. I can't bring myself to be okay with just being where I'm at. It's a feeling of like, I am not perfect at this thing. And I don't have the time or the energy to get to be perfect at the thing. So therefore, it's not worth doing the thing. And I think that kind of goes against the idea of what I think fulfillment should be, which is the idea that you should do what you like because you like it, because it brings you joy, not because of the inherent value you have, the inherent like skill or the like, it's about how it makes you feel and nothing else matters, you know? Yeah, completely. And I think, I think you and I were raised the same way where our value is really based off productivity. And we have to have a product to show, to show for. And that's where we, de- like, that's where we find worth. And I mean raised by, I mean, not only your family, like your family is a part of it, but like society as a whole. I think um, the kind of the feelings you, you are saying and describing, I have felt and I constantly feel. And I think, you know, we were taught not to find joy out of, things that make right. you happy and it gets to find joy out of a product to have something to show yeah. for which um it's not good and i yeah. know that's my issue i know those are my issues right exactly um yeah i don't know i think uh, i mean the future is uncertain of course um i think for me like these past two years like it's been like i like i don't know i've gone i've gone through a lot of growth and like uh it's been extremely yeah. unfulfilling in so yeah. many ways but it's been, I think, also like a good way of resetting of like, um, like we mentioned this before, priorities. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's tough because like, like even if you look at self-actualization, the first time I heard about it was like in AP Psych um, in high school. Like thinking, hearing, hearing about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and it being the mm-hmm. tippy top of the pyramid and like, you know, the final uh, step in life or whatever. Um, and I think mm-hmm. like I'm just working on trying to not let perfect be the enemy of the good. And just try and get to as good of a place as I can be, you know, and just appreciating like the good in life, even if it's not perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like for me, I need to get in that lane and yeah. yeah okay. My, I'll, I'll, I'll doing, make room. You know? I'll slow down so you can merge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. I'll put yeah, on my blinker. Yeah. I'm putting it you on better, now. Because I'm it not on. letting you merge. You know, that you, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Great convo, Sam, Thanks. about the art of dying. And I Thanks. think I think we I think we don't think similar, but I also think we think similar in a lot of ways. Um about fulfillment. Fulfillment. That's um just a scary word to me though. 
It's just a scary word. Why is it me. scary? I don't think um I don't think I'll ever reach it. So it's the it's the, and that's the desire. The desire is to be fulfilled. So it's the desire for it. It's the desire for it that creates the fear. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Well, I mean, maybe you just got to think about you got to think harder about what fulfillment means for you. I don't know. I mean, like yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think you know, I don't think I've ever really sat and thought about it. Or I think I thought, okay. I think I thought maybe, I knew what it was, but that wasn't that. You know. Maybe the best way to think about it is not to be fulfilled, it's to be content. Yeah, I know? think content is a better word. And I think, I, and I know, no, I don't think, I know I need to, you know, have a conversation with myself and, and really talk about and put yeah. on paper what I think will make me happy. Um, and will make me feel fulfilled, yeah. will make me feel content. Um, and like this, the reason why I started doing this, this podcast, um, was because I, you know, this is very fulfilling to me. It's taking something that I really love and talking to people that I really love and, you know, mm-hmm. talking about it and talking about the connection that that we hold and that we have. And this conversation has been amazing so far. And my conversation with your partner, Jess, who was the first episode, was amazing. And, and I loved it. You know, I mm-hmm. I really loved it. And, you know, I need something to do with my time. So I did this. Did you, did you start it? Was your intention to be fulfilled when you did it? I think. My intention was to do something with my time. I had just had so much free time. And I think I needed an outlet, like a creative outlet, but also, again, kind of in that product right. mindset, I needed something, something to show Something that for? you could create and bring into the world. Yeah. Not something that you, you just put time into and that's it. Yeah, but also, like, that could be this. Like, I think I was not feeling like I had a creative outlet at work in the way that I have been used to. So I think this could also just be that. This could also just exist. Like, this could just happen and exist. Do you think that you would, know? like, I'm not saying you'll, you'll do, like, because obviously you'll do whatever you decide to do with your, like, intellectual property, if you will. But, um, like, do you think, like, that would help you almost, uh, like, reevaluate what fulfillment would be if, like, you kind of just did that? What do you think? Maybe, I don't know. And, you know, I think you know this about me, but, you know, since the summer 2019, I really thought I wanted to work in politics. And I don't know if I want that anymore. Or at least at this very moment, I don't know if I want yeah. that anymore. So again, like this is taking that, taking things that like I genuinely love and have a genuine interest in and do bring me joy and um, just recording it and, you know, putting it on the internet. And the thing about this, like, I don't know if I don't know if I would say the word content. I don't know if no no, I would say content. Um again, fulfill, I don't know, but you know, to me this thing is worth putting my time into. This is worth putting in the effort no matter the outcome, and it's it's worth it. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, and and the thing is too, like you've taken the step like the um I don't know if they're like you've taken the prerequisite or required steps that are expected of somebody our age, but it's like you have like you went to school. Yeah. You got your degree. Right. You have a job. Like you're working yeah. full time. Like yeah. you know, I th- I think people just assume that like you're gonna be that then that, that that's it. That's all. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And I think I don't know if I'm I don't know if I would say I'm like I'm lost. I don't know if that's the right word, but I would say I have never. Mm, mm-hmm. I would say this is the most uncertain I have felt in a long time, maybe my entire life. But I feel it's I just feel very uncertain about the future and who I will be and what will be. Yeah. And that's not a that's not a bad thing. Like uncertainty is not a good or bad thing. Yeah. But I feel uncertain. Yeah. That's how I feel. It was almost like a what now moment, you think? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. how I felt was this is a what now moment and nothing um prepared me for that. Nothing prepared me for that. And I think mm-hmm. you really do feel that after college because I think in college you build such a community of people around you constantly people constantly around you and you i don't i think i think very rarely you find that community again and i was really missing out on that and also i was a month into my job and i think i was so used to in college such this fast-paced constantly going environment where i did not feel that at work you know and in october you know of last year I really had a moment. I was like, I was like spiraling. I was like, I don't know what makes me happy. I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember texting Jess and yeah. basically telling her, I'm like, I don't know yeah. what I'm, I don't know what to do. Like, I, like yeah. what now? 
you know, what now? And that's kind of when I came up on this idea for this podcast. And I was kind of like, well, fuck it. Like, what else am I doing? Like, this is very, <laughs> it is like, it's a lot of, it's effort, but it's, it is also low effort. So it's like, and just me talking with people that I know very, you know, very deeply. So yeah. And it fulfills me. It makes me happy. I feel fulfilled, I would say, for the, from this. For now. Yeah. For now, I would say. But it all changes. I mean, everything exactly. changes, you know, so. All things must pass. Um, damn, we got real meta in that conversation. <laughs> Good conversations with Sam on the pod. So, isn't it a petty version two? Um, we don't really have to talk a lot about this because it's just a different version of isn't it a pity. But my really only note for yeah. this was um, version one really owns my heart. Um, but this to me is even, you know, a somber version, um, stripped down version, which really shows the vulnerability. Yeah. And then I think it adds to the song. And I think anyway. um, it was the per- like if you're going to do two versions of a song, I think that was the perfect song to pick. I, I had not thought about that. Um, but that is a great point, And I completely agree out of all these songs. Um, I yeah. think this was probably the best one to do two versions to. Also, it's just kind of odd to put two versions of the same oh, yeah. song on. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's kind of oh, an yeah. odd choice. It is, but like yeah. George Harrison, like go off King, I guess. It's a good song. I'll listen. He was just really trying to get get that song to hit. So he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to put two. I'm going to put version A and version B on here. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> No, I love yeah, that. I great. love it. I love it. I think it's, um, I do think it's a good song like version two, but. We're not even going to spend a minute on yeah. this conversation because it's that. And version one owns my heart, and nothing will change that. So we get to probably the last, like, real, real song, the song with, last song with lyrics off the album, which is Hear Me Lord, um, which is probably the most, the most um, overtly religious song, um, I would say, off the album. And he wrote the song um, after Patty Harrison found him cheating with a friend. Patty Harrison was Patty Boyd, his wife. Um, found him cheating with a French model. So, T. It's like the sequel to Let It Down almost. Oh, yeah, totally. But this is definitely, you really feel the overt apology. And yeah. Like the overt, like, regret from him. And I really think, and I'm not really counting Apple jams because those are really just jam sessions, but I really think this is a good closer for the album, looking at the album holistically and some of the themes in there. I think this is a really good musically and lyrically point to end the album. I agree. It's a good capstone. And almost like when you said that, like, I didn't know that it was like that, that was the context behind it. And it almost makes me, um, I don't know, it makes me kind of question like the, um, I don't know if it makes me question, but it just kind of like take a little pause, take some pause. And the idea of like asking for forgiveness. Is he asking forgiveness because he feels genuinely bad or is he asking for forgiveness because he got caught? You know what I mean? Those are two very different things. Yeah. And I was thinking that as soon as you, you said that, and it really does like make you think what is his, what's the intent. And I think the thing with the song for me is I think in my head, he, he's asking for forgiveness because he knows what he did was wrong. Um, And I think admitting that you're wrong, and asking for forgiveness is a very vulnerable thing to do. Knowing the context or not of this song, I think it's a very, very vulnerable song for Yeah, him. for sure. I mean, the tone, I wrote this in my notes, the tone strikes me as almost desperate. Mm, that's a good word. i listening to the song, you know? That's a good word for it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, prior, I mean, knowing the context now makes me think differently about the song, obviously. But prior to not having any context, because that was my style of approaching anything, literally. I just have no context to anything. Um <laughs> It reminds me of the times that, like, I've messed up really mm-hmm. bad because, like, you know, everybody does it. I'm human, everybody does it. And it's like a feeling of, like, you want to apologize, but they're not even listening to you because they've just, like, put a yeah. wall up and they've blocked yeah. you off. Which is why I think, like, the desperate tone kind of makes me think of it because it, it's, like a, um, it's like a desperate feeling where you just want to break through mm-hmm. and, like, have them hear you. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like they're not, you know? But also, like, you can't blame them for that because, like, you fucked up. You know what I mean? So you got you to deal with that guilt as well. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I agree with you. I think, you know, when you're in those situations where you fucked up and you know you fucked up and you know you hurt someone and it's, like, this pin in your stomach, like, you know you did, you know you made a mistake and you can admit that. 
Yeah. And again, like it does take a lot for a person to just be like, yeah, I fucked up. But, and we talked about this, I think in the last episode, but you cannot control other people's emotions, which is so hard um, to think about and to realize you can only mm-hmm. control yourself. Um, but it, it sucks and it sucks when you do feel bad and you want it to be okay and and you can't and it does sound desperate and I did not put that on my notes I think that's such a good word for what you're hearing from him in the song yeah and I think like th- mm-hmm. that that's the way like the, the emotion of the music conveys and it makes me think about like almost like the idea of like trying to have the person like have to, trying to break through them with yeah. your apology but it almost yeah. makes you feel kind of um guilty or makes you feel selfish because you feel like you're entitled to having them hear you after what you mm-hmm. did to them mm-hmm. you know what i mean um like because he's like literally saying hear me lord like listen to me like i want you to hear what i'm saying yeah and i think the lyrics that i wrote that really amplify that feeling is um at both ends of the road to the left and the right above and below us out and in there's no place that you're not in oh, won't you hear me lord and it's that thing of like it is all around you when you feel that yeah. guilt. Can't get out of your exactly. head. Exactly. You cannot get it out of your head. Um, but I, I love this song. I think the music's done well. I think, you know, the record behind it is amazing. And, you know, Beware of Darkness is a sad song. One of the mill is a sad song, but I think I think this is the saddest song off the album. That makes sense. I like we both listed our, like, saddest songs. Maybe you should add that as like a qualification going forward or something, you know. I might like, have let's get to. like, you know, in the in the I don't know, like the, let's get into <laughs> well, the darkness. You know, you and I basically did a pseudo therapy session this whole recording. <laughs> so the Apple Jams. So yeah. we're gonna breeze through this because it really is just um five songs. Um five just jam sessions, like eleven minute jam sessions. And then a happy birthday moment for John Lennon. Um, but all I have really is these are great songs. And like I kind of think I mentioned in the first episode, just like the, the coolest dudes in music, at the, some of the coolest dudes in music just jamming at the time. Yeah, I think it's tough to like, because there's no lyrics and there's not really like any explicit like mm-hmm. message or words or it's tough to kind of like... I think there's two like main points like for me that stick out. Yeah. It's like one, I think it's a lot of it is a tribute to his influences because I can hear yeah. like the Little Richard and the Chuck Berry, and they're like I think like some like there's one there's a couple guitars in there that sound like really like um, Johnny mm-hmm. Be Good like it sounds almost mm-hmm. exactly like Johnny Be Good the the opening guitar riff. I forget oh. which song it's on. I would not yeah. think that. That's a good yeah. point. And like I said earlier, like it is just a bunch of dudes who love music and appreciate music. Just guys music. being dudes. <laughs> yes, yeah, just guys being dudes. But like, yeah. you gotta think it's like some of the biggest names in music at the time. Um, you know, George Harrison, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, Billy Preston, Peter Frampton, Ringo Starr. Um, there's probably a bunch more that I'm missing, but and just like jamming out, just jamming to music, and I think it's really reminiscent of a time that we will never get back like i don't think any um big name like i I know there are jam bands but um i don't think any big name is releasing anything like this publicly yeah Yeah, i don't know i I actually the second like the second point i wrote down kind of similar to that where it's like it, it reminded me a lot of like the jam bands that i like to listen to you know you know like fish or twiddle or grateful dead yeah oh i didn't think about the grateful dead so but okay, yeah, that's a good point, and they are very mainstream. Well, yeah. I don't know if mainstream as George yeah. Harrison, but definitely up there. He's still mainstream now. Yeah, I agree. But also, is George Harrison? Yeah, he's mainstream? definitely not at the height of his. Co- huh? He's also dead, but like I, but like, I don't know, is he mainstream? That's actually a good question. Yeah, um, like relevance-wise, definitely not. But like his music still like lives on, and people might not like yeah, maybe people don't know. Time. You know, everyone knows "Here Comes the Sun." Like they may not know that yes. George Harrison wrote it and yes. sang it, but they know the song. And that, that's I guess actually like, very recently I learned that. Not like very recently, but in my memory I can remember yeah. when I learned that. And yeah. I did not know that he did that. But like people know Here yeah. Comes the Sun, people know something. But there you go. You know yeah. what I mean? Like his his music is what lives on, maybe not him, you know what I mean? Rip. But Yeah, rest in peace to a great man. But I think back to my point, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. I think it'd be very rare for someone to be as 
relevant and mainstream as him to release something like the Apple Jams disc. Like during the time yeah. that it was made. So Sam, we have we've kind of come to the end because um, yeah. we're not really. Yeah, I'm kind of sad about it because this has been an amazing conversation, and okay. you will definitely be back on the pod. But um, I know we kind of touched upon this in the first episode. Um, but what kind of story does this album mm-hmm. tell you? And I know, like I said, we talked about it in the first episode. That's really hard to classify yeah. this into a sentence, into a box. Um, and you know, I'm not one to put labels on things. But this is this is my answer. This is how I feel. I feel like it's the human experience. It's all these emotions of love, betrayal, death, friendship, um, into an album. I think it's, 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 you know, we are at the highest peak and we are at the lowest low, the lowest valley in this album. And I think he talks about the human experience in this album. What do yeah. you think? And I definitely think, like, Thank you for giving like the context too about like around a lot of the songs because that helped me. I can definitely see that more now. Like it's Anytime. like kind of like the like him universalizing his human experience so that all of us can kind of experience it as well. You know what I mean? To me, at least now, maybe my I I guess like if you asked mm-hmm. me in ten years, my answer would probably be different. Mm-hmm. Which is what I think one of the reasons why this album yeah. is so good at that. Depending Agreed. on the time, Agreed. it probably depends. You know what I mean? Yeah, I um, think. But now, I think the thing with like good music is it's always with you and it's always ever changing and it changes. Right, with exactly. You. That like it, you it know, the same song. The meaning, but it, yeah, it, the meaning isn't changes. so. It, the meaning is um. It changes and it changes and forms with you. It's not something that is static, you know, uh, which is hard to do. It's um, dynamic. Um, but anyway, I think for me, at least like with the context of like lost my senior year of high, uh, not college, <laughs> of college. Yeah, you lost a lot. You lost yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Um, and then losing out on like a lot of like you know early twenties, mid time in my mm. mid twenties now. You're, oh my god, formative experiences. Mid-20s. Okay, yeah, you kind of are, but you know? you're on the young yeah. side. You're on the I'm young 24. side of your mid twenties. Okay. That's true. You're on the young side of your mid twenties. Staring down the barrel of thirty, but that's fine. Oh my um, god, you're a you're a young man. You're a, you're a young adult. That's true. <laughs> you're a yeah. young adult. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but for me at least it's um mm-hmm. you can interpret all things must pass the title in like a negative way where it's like damn everything's going to end you know but i think it's yeah. something to take solace in especially because the bad passes yeah. too it all mm-hmm. passes equally you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's something to remember like when you're going through a bad time it's like hey this is not forever this is like everything else temporary and that's for me like what kind of sticks out at least right now ask me in 10 years we'll, do, um, we'll do a 10 year anniversary <laughs> recording but um yeah i I completely agree and i think that's such a way to see it because you know people can interpret it as all things must pass all things must die but i think the way you said it and talking about like the negative situations or the negative feelings um again talking broadly here but usually when those things will pass and it's kind of a part of the human experience to feel that way um something i've been saying a lot during covid and and I said it earlier, as peaks and valleys, yeah. and, you know, life is all about that. Life, you know, you may be stuck in the valleys for a lot longer than you want to, but you'll make it to the peak. Um, and I think, and I think we as people, and again, I'm talking in moderation here, we don't allow ourselves to feel the negative feelings or the bad feelings or the valleys because we, we just don't, and I don't understand why. Yeah. And I think it's, when I think it's part of the human experience, you need to feel all your feelings, no matter what they are, first of all. And second of all, I think people have it in their head that they look at their life and they're like, I have a great life. I can't feel sad about something. It's like, no, you can. Because if you mask those emotions, they just bottle up inside you and it just is 10 times worse when they spill over. Yeah. And it's interesting you say peaks and valleys because it actually made me think of like, we're kind of like... Like the way, at least, I don't know, the way I, I don't know, I don't know if you've been doing the same thing, but the way I've been living my life is that it's, it's almost like literally along the peaks and valleys of the COVID case chart. Oh my God. <laughs> you know oh what I mean? Where it's God. like, oh, we're in the valley. I can, sure. I, I am not, sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scared anymore. And now we're here. I'm just like, fuck. Like, or I actually got COVID. So I was like, fuck. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> then you kind of adjust your behavior according yeah, sure. to those peaks and valleys. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to appreciate, you know, the things you can do, you know, take the good with the bad. So. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Completely. So, coming to the end, our last few questions. So, 
I ask this on every episode. Um, but I want a song, and this might be hard off this album, but song to fall in love to, to get your heart broken to, and then the defining song off this album, Sam. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so the first one, the one to fall in love to. So this is going to sound weird, but it's one we actually did not talk about. Oh, my God, is um, it? Is it I Live For You? Is it I Live, is it I live yes, For it You? Oh, That's the one I, I would say. I love that song. Yes. And there's the a reason, reason is... There's a reason why I okay, didn't say Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you, you go okay. first. So this is probably, because we haven't talked about this one, this is probably going to be like an extra bonus one. It's, so I listen to the song on Spotify. I do not own the vinyl. I don't own the vinyl yet. Yeah, um, the reason why I didn't, we did not talk about it is because it's yeah, not on the original track list. It came out in like one of the anniversary versions or a couple years later as like a bonus song. It's like the um, Silver Springs of Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. But um, the reason I chose I Live For You mm-hmm. um, is because the re- like, so I found myself in, I don't know how it happens, but I just tend to, I've, I've fallen into relationships where if not the majority at least a significant amount of the time is long distance right um, it's not right. the case anymore yes which is thank god thank god great <laughs> and i don't intend for it to change after this which is great i'm out of i'm out, of, out of that long game. distance shit he's out of the game he's out of the game we're good which feels good good yeah finally fuck um <laughs> but um to me like uh it reminds me okay so for those who don't know i used to work at pepsi if you're ever considering working in the in the, in the liquid distribution business those of you considering a career in the, in the liquid beverage distribution industry just run the opposite direction just don't um don't. because i worked very early mornings very long days obviously there were days where like i would get up um go to work at pitch dark and then i would get yeah I, like it would be like three or four a.m yeah well it's an early well we got to get the stuff on yeah, the show exactly. for the customers I, I'm, the just, store, I'm you know? just telling the people that like sam was like you were doing this you were doing this in undergrad like it was crazy. I remember, like, saying, like, leaving parties early yeah. or, you know, um, to, to make sure he got up on time. There was a time, especially, like, I think now, like, just recently, during COVID, where I was stuck at home. And my partner, Jess, she was up in mm-hmm. Boston at grad school, her first year of grad school. And um, we'd only see each other, like, every once every other weekend or something. So that was particularly, like, also, like, because, <laughs> like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't see her and then I couldn't do anything else. Like, it, and, except, like, work or, like, do grad school or whatever. Yeah. I did on the ground by grad school. So yes. I didn't have to go anywhere. You were ahead of the curve. Which is actually incredible foresight on my part. I chose it before COVID hit. You were ahead of the game. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Yeah. Good decision. <laughs> but um, I remember like, just like the feeling of being stuck at like 12, 13, 14, 15 hour days and just being like, fuck, I want to leave. I want to drop this job and I just want to take 84 up to the mass pike off exit 127 and just go see Jess. You know, and the song mentions like waiting and that like kind of thing. Like it just felt like I was like life just felt like I was just waiting. That's it. That's what it felt like. I was just in a constant period of waiting. It's horrible. It's like you're not, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like you're, um, it's just like, it's an endless period of frustration that you just don't, it's like an itch that you can't scratch. It's like right around your back and you can't get it. And like, it just isn't stopping, you know? Yeah. It, it, no, it's, yeah. it's yeah. waiting in that that period when you feel like that or that time it truly it truly is the worst thing ever yeah and i'm so happy you brought up this song because out of everything out of the extended plays and you know the demos and the you know all the the bonus stuff i would say this is actually probably my favorite song off the album which is crazy because it's not even on there um i live for you i think it's such a beautiful song such a good song it is really good song but out of the songs that we did talk about I originally had, I originally yeah. had, um, if not for you, because it's kind of like a similar vibe. But if we're opening the floodgates, if not, um, I live for you would be my love song. And for me, I have never fallen in love. I've been in moments of infatuation with another person or the idea of a person, but I have never been in love but when i when i listen to the song and the way it makes me feel and i can't explain it it just the way it makes me feel when i listen to it it makes me think this is what i would feel like when or if i fall in love it'd be this Mm. it's so just beautiful it's just so beautiful this song that's interesting that like that's interesting i never like thought about it because like obviously like my current relationship i felt that and i continue to feel that love you jess so it's like it's interesting hearing that, like your perspective, where it's like your um, conceptualization of it. You know what I mean? 
I haven't thought about it like that. Yeah, because it's like I have a lot of love in my life. I have love for you. I have love for Jess. I have love for my other friends and, and my family, but I've never been in love. I would never, I would not define any of my experiences in that way. Over, but like to that like actual feeling of just like literally like living for another person and like not like a toxic way like in a like a like 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 you and Jess it's a very help like I would say you guys have a very you have a very healthy relationship um me I'm like from the outside looking in um but it's like just like that longing of it just like you know like when I wake up like you make it better it's like I like you're an extra reason why I get out of bed like like that's how what this song kind of makes me think of and it is like that waiting it's like but this song makes me think like this the way the song makes me feel i think would be mm-hmm. somewhat equal to when i find that person and the song even talks about waiting yeah yeah like he says like i've been waiting for you and i think yeah the, for sure the analysis that i get it's like waking up for another person like getting out of bed for that person living for that person it's interesting it's interesting you say um like you say you start your day because I think about it the opposite way. I think about ending the day. Because like I'm going through a particularly stressful time at work right now. It's busy. I'm an accountant, by the way. But um, I'm also currently studying to be a CPA, um, which for those of you who don't know is a fucking bitch. Um, so it's basically like I go to work. I get. I go to work. I'm done with work, and then I go back to work. Yeah, because you're studying for the CPAs. Yeah. So like having that particularly stressful time, and then being able to like being able to see Jesse the other day. It's like yeah, that day was shit, but it's like it ended. It always ends great, you know. Sam, that is so sweet. Yeah. That is really sweet. Yeah, so that's I what the song makes you think about <laughs> for the most part, which is why I picked it. And, no, yeah. that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Okay, the next one to get your heart broken to, I okay. originally had something else, but I'm going to change my answer. Okay, I'm going to change my answer to run of the oh, mill. Copy me. <laughs> I'm looking at your notes right now. No, um, yeah. I think from our conversation, um, it really changed my thought on this. And I think the feeling that George is describing is one of heartbreak. And that could be plata- platonically, romantically in any way. It's just um, an awful feeling he describes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Reference. Was that the first episode? Yes, it but was. But they can reference that conversation. Yeah, but good song to get. Not a good song, but to get your heart broken, but, you know, if that was going on, that would be a good soundtrack behind it. Um, last question, defining song off the album. Isn't it a pity? Really? I, I did not expect that from you. Why? For a couple of different reasons. Well, musically, I think it's like the most George Harrison like composition with the way, not only the way it builds, but also like the, the structure of the chord progression descending and um, just the, the lyrical content, too, is just quintessential George Harrison like observational like like you know shaking your head kind of thing yeah well what do you think for me i picked all things must pass and right i think this goes into the story of what we were saying about like what the story of the album and i really do think this whole album is about the human experience and no matter what feeling you are feeling happy sadness it will pass eventually um so I think that is yeah. why it's my defining sure. song off the album because I think it just takes everything and just into, and puts into one song. But isn't it a pity? Is such a good freaking answer. I do not know why I didn't think about that because that's also one of my favorite songs off this album. So you got me. You got me there. Well, Sam, we have reached the end. The end of all things must pass again, and the whole album. And we had some amazing, amazing conversations. I'm so happy to have had you on and for us to finally do this. Um, And it was a really good episode. We had some really good conversations and you were a great guest. And you'll be back. I know you'll be back. Okay. You're a friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, You have anything to say, anything to close with to the people, to the people? Well, promotions. Yes. So, um... You can find me nowhere. <laughs> he cannot be found. Um, you can find me at work. I, you can you can find me at work for the next three months, which sucks. <laughs> I want to promote sparkling water. Oh my god! Better for you than soda. It's yes. delicious. Yes. And it's Isn't well, it's it, not nutritious, yeah, but it's hydra- hy- hydrating. There we go. You know? There we go. So, 
Um, thank you for having me. This is really cool. Of course. Anytime, um, Sam. Anytime. I feel, like, I feel like we got to know each other better through this, too, because like, we agree. already know each other really well, but, like, yeah. Yeah, Sam, I've known you for, what, five years now or something? Um, and I feel like I've, we've, we got, we, we went to a deeper level. But um, I'm just, you know, I'm excited for the next one. This is really fun. So. Well, thank you, Sam. And this was lovely, lovely, lovely to have you. You will be on again. I know it. And uh, make sure to follow us um, on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, and on Instagram and TikTok at My Records and Me. In the next show, you'll get a preview of it if you stick around. Um, we will be talking about me and my good friend Kyle. will be discussing Like a Virgin by Madonna, the album. So stick around for the preview. And we'll see you next time. Bye. those women I think of powerful women who own their career who own their sex life their sexuality yeah um and are like present themselves as like sexual beings but like that independently mm-hmm. and I find that music amazing and I love that music but like it is correct it's like I don't know where that would be without like this album right like how would WAP how would people feel about WAP how in the 80s <laughs> Like, I know everyone was outraged about, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people were like, what the fuck? Oh, sorry. Can I curse? I don't know. But like, what yeah, is WAP? Like, all older people are being like, this is so disgusting. But yeah, I'm, I, if I'm correct, isn't that how people felt about Madonna? You, yeah, basically. And like, she has cemented her place in music, music history and in pop history. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I just think that WAP wouldn't, like a virgin walked so WAP could run, ladies.